a good pump fake. Dribble drive by Clay. Dishes out to DiVincenzo. Catch and shoot three. Yes! Warriors 102. Minnesota 99. Hey, it's Dante DiVincenzo. Now back to Willard and Dibs. Take it away, Mark. Restaurant quality, man. Totally. Restaurant quality DiVincenzo. I'm actually going out, going out for a little Italian meal tonight. The lovely young Ella is turning 14 today. Man, look at Ella. 14th birthday. I saw you guys were out and about this weekend. I oh, looked like you do a little shopping. Not only were we out and about. Um, Cha-ching! <laughs> Catch me out five times. Brother, I don't want it. Dude, Kevin Dan on the call. And your trip to the mall. I don't want to talk about this, okay? No, it's so funny because I saw the picture and oh, I only yeah. I only talk about it because I think it was on social media. Uh, but uh you looked happy <laughs> slash beleaguered and your daughter looked delighted. Oh yeah. So I knew that yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the credit card was out. I'm yeah. picturing the two of you and uh, Kevin Dana is somehow right behind you, and yeah. every time you go to a different store. He appears cash me out one time. I would love to be cashed cash out one time. Out. I got cashed out about 16 Gucci. times. Yeah. Prada. Right. Oh, oh Yves Saint Laurent. Fiori. Dude. Yeah, I mean, oh <laughs> my gosh, this girl. Happy but birthday, Ella. Anyway, happy birthday to Ella, and she has chosen a local Italian ristorante nice. uh, for dinner tonight, and uh, so we'll go, and I'm going to order... Uh, the DiVincenzo. Nice. I just, all I want to do... On the character on the, on the, the full dinner menu? I just want to see what the server's going to do. I just want to mess with them. Uh, I'll have a... Uh a plate of the uh, DiVincenzo and uh, a little Caesar to mm, start and perfect. I just want to see what happens. As an Italian, I'm offended. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to understand the joke, but I'm used to that as a dad. It's okay. So yeah. we're going to give it a try. I'm going to order the DiVincenzo tonight. Nice. I'll let you know what happens. And what the DiVincenzo comes with, it's uh, it's That's really good in the fourth quarter. It's a great That's quality right. two-way dish. What a good aftertaste yeah. at the end. Yeah. I think one of my favorite moments of last night, and what a great comeback, and what an improbable victory, considering the way this year has gone. DiVincenzo drives from the right side, and he goes off the right foot, and he somehow drifts all the way under the hoop and goes reverse that was layup. beautiful. It was a wrong-legged, stanky, floater reverse layup. He did it so effortlessly. And it was like, oh, my God, DiVincenzo. And the shot should have been blocked. Like, I mean, it right. absolutely, somebody, and I can't remember if it was Nas or who, but somebody who was at least a foot taller looked like they had a hand dialing it, it up. It was Nas Reed. Yeah, and he, nope, he, he got it around him. And it after beautiful. it goes in, you see Nas Reed throw his hands up like, God, how did I not block that? Yeah. And well, DiVincenzo. Because you got restaurant quality. Totally. Sorry, Nas. Although, nice job on the 30 burger. Um, it, 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 like you this, talk about an empty 30, though. I know, but still, like, is it has there been a Warrior game all year? Alert me to the game where the Warriors played a game and somebody you've never heard of didn't score 30. <laughs> right? Honestly. I know some of you are league passers. Yeah, don't, but let's don't be come honest. down. I mean, Bonte's about to text both of us. No, I don't want to hear it. He's about to league pass no, you. No, but they know the truth, which is that there are plenty of people in this world who know who Nas Reed is, don't and there that, are more who don't. There are more who don't. I don't want to hear about, you know, Ben Caro or all of these. Wow, come on, I know, Caro. he's an early draft pick, but he's still just a draft pick. Like, all the names, think about it now. The names this year. 
Who was that cat for the Nuggets who went banana land a couple of weeks ago on the Warriors? Off the bench. Yeah. See? You can't even remember his name. No, it's that one guy. Yeah, the that, guy. The guy from overseas. <laughs> Whose name I, I can't even remember. That it. guy. Yeah. I had to a, Google it the next morning. Dude, I'm not going to remember now. Every time you go to the box score, you're like, who's that guy that scored 38 totally. against the Warriors? Conchar? Yeah, Conchar. thank you. Yeah. Conchar. Multiple uh, punctuation marks in his name. I remember that. I mean, what on earth is that? Why is there somebody who's nothing in the NBA who drops 3-0 on the Warriors every night? You know why. Why? Because they don't play defense. No. What? Look in my eyes. What am I going to say? Uh, you're going to say... Oh, you're going to say because everybody gets up to give their yes, best shot against the Warriors. Look at you, <laughs> You and I are starting to be simpatico. Nasreed got up. He got up for this one. These teams, yeah. they give the Warriors their best punch, Mark. Yeah, you know he was, that. He looked and he was like, man, I'm playing against the street clothes of Steph Curry tonight. <laughs> man. And I got to bring my best. Draymond had glasses on. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Wiggins was a, wasn't there, but, you know... Hopefully things get get better with Wiggins. I got one of those from little Jude last night. I went in the kitchen to do something in the middle of the game, and Jude was telling me all about Draymond's outfit. He's like, Dad, that was a really good play. They even showed Draymond, and he was wearing this collared shirt. He had glasses on. He didn't understand. I go, yeah, they call, good. they call that street clothes, yeah. my man. That's called street clothes. Draymond's not playing tonight. He thought it was like his warm-ups. He had, like, fancy warm-ups on last night. But anyway to your point about Nas Reed Nas Reed amazing early but in that second half he thought that he was the third splash brother it's like my Ugh. guy you've had a great game go ahead and give up the rock one time and get down in the block no keep doing it it worked it sure it did worked in the Warriors favor and Minnesota had at least two if not three three-point shots that were halfway down and they rattled out and I know that's just basketball sure but the Warriors got some uh, they got some breaks, and then ultimately they got a big lead and tried to give the game away, but were unable to give that thing away late. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in, in meantime, on the other end, Clay's hitting shots that are glancing off the My top God. of the backboard. Yeah. You know, so sure, sure. And I, I mean, there there are breaks in sports. I I get it. Um, but uh, no, I, I I loved the the effort in the fourth quarter. But it just kind of feels like one of those seasons, like everything. Is going to be hard. Everything's going to be hard. By the way, was that Nas's career high last night? Was that a career high? Yeah. How many fun facts that we can search for? Kyle, don't stress, don't worry, don't hurry. How many players have hit their career high against the Warriors this year? I'd uh, like to know that. Twenty-six. Would Thank be you. My guess. <laughs> I'll take the over. Seriously. Has somebody hit their career high in every game? Well, let's hope it doesn't happen next game. Well, if it does next game, that means Dame Lillard scoring 72, right? Is 71 his career high? I don't know. That had Was that his career high last night? It feels like it has to be. Yeah, but right? It had to be. And by the way, you look at the box score from Dame in his 71-point performance. He shot the ball 38 times. The rest of the Blazers shot the ball 39 times. Okay. Kobe. Total Kobe. 22 of 38, oh. though. Kobe would have been uh, 8 of 38 I was in his final season. I was wondering how many three-pointers he ended up with. He was only one short of Clay's record. Of tying the record, 13 yeah. 13 threes last night. Um, at halftime, 71 for Dame Lillard. Yeah, at halftime, he had 41 yeah. and already had eight threes. And so I was watching this one because I was like, oh, he's going to try to break that record. Uh, but he only got five threes and 30 points in the second half. That's all. So just a just a garden variety seventy one.
Yeah. Lillard. Is Dame Lillard on the short list of most likely to break Wilt's record? Because I do believe that Wilt's record of 100 points in a game is vulnerable. And not just because we saw Kobe go for... Kobe went for 81, right? Right. In that game, that famous game. Dame Lillard had 71 in a game that had actual meaning. I mean, Portland needed to win. It's not like he went for 71 just because he felt like going for 71. Well, I was playing the Rockets, so it was kind of just because right, he felt like going for 71. Right, but they needed, they needed <laughs> they a lot of his 71 to get the win. Is he on the short list of most likely to get 101? I have a hard time thinking that's going to come from a player who does most of his work in the outside. Because you have to be hot for the whole game if you're going to do it from out there. You know, to go score. Like, you have to be someone who's getting uh, interior buckets. And like you said, it has to be a game that maybe you're just sort of, like everybody's focused on you rather than the game. Right. Uh, but yes, by the way, got the answers. That was a career high for Dave okay. last night. And yep. In fact, that was the most points ever scored by a Blazer. That was a, a franchise record. 71 points for Dame last night. And I wonder where that ranks all time in terms of most points in a game, in a non-Wilt game particularly. I don't know how many 70-point games there have been in the association. There can't have been more than... I mean, if we count all the Wilt games... I can't imagine there have been many more than 30 games all time where a player had more than 70. Uh, There was one this year... Yeah, you're probably right. Donovan exactly. Mitchell went for 71. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I've got the list uh, right here. So, Will Chamberlain has the record 100 points, 1962. Kobe Bryant, that was the second highest point total ever with 81. Uh, then it goes Wilt 78, Wilt 73, Wilt okay, 73, David Thompson 73. Oh, he was unguardable. Wilt 72, Elgin 71. David Robinson, 71. And now Dame Lillard, 71. That eclipsed Wilt Chamberlain's 70. That was one of the top 10 highest scoring games all time. So, yeah. Only Only 13 games. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the list too, Mark. Only 10 times has someone gone over 70. Um, Only 12 times has someone scored 70. Or, or more in a yeah. game. And okay. only only twice have they gone north of 80, and that was obviously Kobe and Will. Yeah, yeah, Kyle, what do you got? I was poking around for some other stuff and just came across this list. How many times do you think a player in the NBA this season has scored 40 or more points? Not how many players, <laughs> but how many, how, many, times? how many times has it? So players well, who have done it multiple scoring times. Scoring is out of control, so I feel like the answer is going to be a lot. Like, So how many times has a player scored 40 or more? Correct. Listen, we're we're in the neighborhood. 81. We're in the neighborhood of 81, Kyle. Hang on, we're in the neighborhood of about 60 Sorry. games, right? Yes. 60 yes. games. 60, right? 65. And so how many NBA teams are there? 30. 30. And so it's like cut that in half. That's 900 games. 30 times 15, right? Is so uh-huh. because they, you can't count them twice. Well, 60 this times feels like 30. A lot. My brain hurts. And then you cut well, that 60, in half. 60 game, six, that We're talking about how many games or how many games by teams individually that would double. Well, if every team's played 60. Right. Right. Times 30 teams, that's 1,800 but, occurrences because everybody gets to play in the same game. Right. Then you're counting it twice is what I'm saying. So you would want to you would want to cut that in half. But you do count it twice because each team is playing in that game. Anyway, re- yes, if you're talking about individual scoring. Anyone, Kyle. I'm trying to talk about Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to say, how many times somebody scored 40 points? Um, geez, like over 100. 148 times. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Such luminaries as DeJounte Murray and wow. Miles Turner. 
Miles Turner? He's a jackass. You know what's Miles crazy Turner. about that Jaylen stat? Jalen Green multiple times. Thank Did you, you say 148? Yes. You know what's wild? <laughs> Only twice has it happened against someone other than the Warriors. <laughs> That's what's weird about this stat. I love it's when you really run material. Weird. That's <laughs> yeah. a solid four. Tyrese Halliburton had a 43-point game. Tyrese Maxey had a 44-point game. You know, How Dibs many Tyrese's big, have gone for more than 40? Dibs was a big Halliburton guy back in the draft. I've heard that. I thought the Warriors should have taken yeah, Halliburton. I you mean, want to trade up to one for him. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I called him Tyrell Halliburton at the time. <laughs> Don't let that get away. Oh, speaking of that draft, how's Anthony Edwards doing this year? Like, collectively. No, he's a very good player. I just feel like the buzz has dropped. And, and maybe I'm, you know, like, I mean, I know his numbers are fine. But just watching them last night... I don't know. He's going to get magnified more. No D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony yeah. Towns out. Like, I expected last night, and <laughs> I was at the game with Benjamin. Uh, he just looked bad. Yeah, like, he not just... good. Right, it did, not, it did not look... Am I right? Like, mm-hmm. even the shot selection was not there. I remember, I remember going to a, a game his rookie year, and I was just like, dude, uh, this is an offensive problem, this guy. And last night, it was just like, eh. He had a bad game. He's just moving He's around the court. He's across the board right now. Is he? Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Just had a bad game last good, night. Good. Good. I'm not an NBA fantasy guy, so I don't have the uh, I don't have all the stats in He's front of me. He's averaging 24 seven a game, okay. but still a young player, and I think the inconsistency of his play is reflective over the fact that Minnesota. They're not that good, kid. And whether or not Carl Anthony Towns has been out most of the year, but if you're going to anchor your hopes to Nas Reed, Nas Reed's a good player. But if Anthony Edwards is a real one, that's a game where you take over offensively, and he was largely neutralized by his own ineffectiveness. Yeah, and that's what that's what Clay Thompson ended up doing. He he, and you can tell. This is one of the other things. You know, Clay is so unique with the way that he struts around a court or sails out on the bay. Like he's just so quintessential. He's Clay. Um, I love how much he relishes these moments, especially when they go well. Um, this is someone, it's always fascinating to me when someone has proven everything they possibly can at the height of their profession, yet they still kind of cruise around as if they're a rookie. Clay Thompson, every time he has a big fourth quarter, it's like he wants to go seat to seat in the arena and be like, did you know that I've got that in me? <laughs> I got this in me. Did you know? And... He does. And maybe some people don't know. I think it's fascinating right now when you look at these Warriors, Steph being out, it's interesting to me who steps forward as the quote-unquote one. It's not Jordan Poole. No, and it won't be Jordan Poole. It's Clay Thompson. It absolutely has to be Clay Thompson. And if it's not Clay Thompson, you're not going to win these games. And you don't win last night's game without Clay Thompson. Yes, he hit the bank three from the corner, which was inexplicable. But the biggest moment to me was the catch-and-shoot three that he hits on the extended wing. He hits it. And he staggers back and back as it goes in. He staggers all the way back to the courtside seats where Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds are sitting. (laughs) And they both kind of hold up their hands as if to say, we got you, dog, in case you fall back. I don't know if Clay realized the greatness that he was in front of, but in that moment... He's thinking, you two bums, you got nothing on me. I'm Clay Thompson. You better recognize. He's got almost 1,500 home runs behind him, and they're both holding him up. And by the way, A-Rod, 
I mean, what are you doing courtside? At least Barry Bonds is clapping. Clap! Oh, you want him to clap? Clap! Maybe this is a Timberwolves fan. Get out of here if you're a T-Wolves fan. You want to know what Clay said when he landed in their laps? You want to know what the difference is between me and you two? I'm going to the Hall of Fame someday. <laughs> um, That's right. Look at you running a lot of material here. It's Monday. Yeah, just no, it's great. It all out. Yeah, I like uh, that. was actually fun to watch the two of them. It was uh, pretty cool. But but and their conversations. Well, it just it, this also hit me real quick as an aside. Uh, Barry Bonds and A Rod sitting there when they were trading salves. Uh, just at like, right, like 15 years ago, the idea of Barry Bonds and A Rod sitting somewhere together—you'd been like, "My God, we're all going to sit down and have a conversation." Where these are the two best players that have ever lived, and here they are together at a basketball game. Sorry, and Willie Mays. You see that? Well, but but it there was a track to where that was going to be a conversation. Remember, it was like. In fact, once upon a time, when Bonds was about to break the record and everyone hated it, they were like, don't worry, A-Rod's going to break his record and it'll be fine. And then that took a turn. And you just look at these two and you go, man, if we had known then what the conversation was going to be now, or even the feeling that goes through your belly when you see the two of them sit next to one another, you just wish that feeling was so much cleaner than what it is. It's impossible to not have your brain Look at Barry and A-Rod sitting next to one another, and you go, I mean, the, the talent unmatched and the controversy unmatched right. for both of them. And think about it in terms of the NBA. So if those two players of that ilk were sitting courtside at an NBA game, you're talking about Michael Jordan and, what, Akeem Olajuwon? Yeah, or Charles Barkley. Or, right? Sure, I mean, you're sure. talking about two of the all-time greats to ever do it. Or if it's football, maybe it's Joe Montana sitting next to Tom Brady. And it's like, oh, my God, that's really cool. But you're right. When you see those two and you see them next to each other, it's like, that's really cool. Oh, that's really awkward. Yeah. And it's a shame. And it's so baseball that we have that, that reaction. But we have that reaction because... Between the two of them, you have one guy who's an admitted two-time steroid test failure. And I, by the way, I'm the face of, the, of baseball now because uh, I'm a good-looking guy and I can broadcast. And the other guy who never failed a test but is the number one pariah of the steroid era. And he most likely, most assuredly, was a juicer as well. Yet we are so conflicted because we see him. Well, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's a shame. Barry's our guy. Also, both of them are just factually uh, incredibly, incredibly talented. And they were before any other controversy started. Um, but I also think sometimes uh, because of the era in which we live and the city in which we live when it comes to Barry, and, and this will extend to A-Rod too, I do think we apologize for them a little bit too much. I mean, they made the bed. They made the bed. They're both incredibly, incredibly talented players whose numbers would not be quite as high as they are. But, um, you know, would you take 600 home runs and a trip to the Hall of Fame? Or would you take uh, 700 plus and the way the world treats you now? It's, um, I don't know. I, I, like, I'd love to actually ask them that question. Um, and I don't think they would answer it or, or feel good about it. But, like, in a private room, I'd like love to. Like, true serum? Just yeah, like what if you weren't the home run king, but you were just you were you were beloved. You were going to be on a track to go down as one of the greatest to ever play. You would you would already have had your jacket, your speech, your everything. Would you trade 150 home runs for that? 
right no now. No chance. No? I don't think so. Yeah, I wonder. Alex Rodriguez got two different $250 million contracts. So Well, they were going to get paid. Does he get the second $250 million contract Probably. if he's not juicing? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Barry Bonds is the home run king. Whether you believe it's legit or asterisk laden or not, he puts his head down on the pillow at night and knows that he hit more home runs yep. than any other human being. They have 10 MVPs between the two of them. Barry's got seven. A-Rod's got the three. Should have more. I don't think you get to that level of excellence without an ego that is impenetrable. That's probably fair. Yeah. In yeah, terms of like, fair. oh, what does mom and pop think about my steroid use? They could give a crap. <laughs> uh, Anthony Slater's going to join us here in about seven or eight minutes. One of the things I really want to put in front of him. Uh, I was just thinking, kind of piecing this all together. I wonder what you think too, Dibs. Like we, we here we are. Last week, I'm driving around listening to uh, Bonte and Joe, and they're hopping mad at Jonathan Kaminga's lack of minutes. And let's piece this all together. James Wiseman is now a member of the Pistons, and Jordan Poole has been punched by Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson's hands have been up in the air because of Jordan Poole, and Steph Curry threw a mouthpiece and got fined. Um, all because of a decision or two made by Jordan Poole. And so I'm just wondering aloud here. This is not, I don't know this, but when we look at the lack of development of the young guys, I think it's normal to just be like, man, Steve Kerr doesn't play the, the, the young guys as much as he should. I wonder how much of that's actually coming from Steve. When you see people like Anthony Lamb getting closing minutes, when you see how little of a role Jordan Poole has offensively in a game like last night down the stretch in favor of Clay, there feels like a collective thing around the Warriors where they went, all right, Steph Clay and Dre won another ring last year, so we got to give them everything we can to keep going with this dynasty. We can't really acquire players financially. That's not available. We can't trade Jordan Poole. We just did this extension. What can we give them? And they probably asked them that. And their answer was, veteran players on the floor with us. Yes. I don't think the veterans want the young guys no. on the floor with them as, as much as maybe the fans do. And they absolutely don't, nor should they. And I know that you've got a teen driver right now, and he's working on mm -hmm. going from teen driver to licensed driver. But when you have a teen driver, you're not saying, hey... We're driving to L.A. this weekend. You're driving. Wait, what? I, I'm still learning. I'm still a developing driver. And that's the way I look at this NBA Warriors season where you're getting into the deep water and you're getting into a situation where you've got a championship team. You don't want to turn the keys over to Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, and even Jordan Poole. You look at Jordan Poole. He's not always in the closing lineup. These are teen drivers. Yes, we want you to learn. We want you to get your license. We want you to feel comfortable where you can feel comfortable. Jonathan Kaminga's played 119 games in the association. He has never been in a high-leverage moment. So if you're Steph, Clay, and Dre, you want to have that security of playing with guys who've got more experience like Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I mean, you just watch him play, and we can all see, like, when Kaminga comes through the lane and no one's in front of him, Right, I get it. It's yeah. like it's it's fangasmic. I I, I oh, understand that. Look at you, I understand. So and, and and where does that mean they're going? These talented players. You hope it means that they can be guys who run teams at some point. But I don't think Steph, Clay, Dre, others. I don't think they care. I don't think they want to. I don't think they're worried about that. They don't have time for that. 
What you also see is, along with the talent, you see often poor decisions. How I mean, and right. this isn't an opinion that you all don't share. Watch Jordan Poole play basketball, and how often do you go, "No, what, God, what are you doing? Why are you pulling up from there?" The veterans are saying the exact same thing. Exactly. And the veterans are championship caliber, and they know what it takes to win a championship. Jonathan Kaminga is 20 years old. He just turned 20 in October. So to expect him to play like a 33- and 34-year-old veteran who have been through four championship runs, it's foolish. Uh, It's all sponsored by Pfizer, and we'll get Anthony Slater in on this conversation next and hopefully get some sort of a clue as to what's going on with Andrew Wiggins and when he might be back. That is coming up next on Willard and Dibs. It's JP with the Golden State Warriors. Now back to Willard and Dibs. Tell you what, it just continues to uh, to intrigue. I think we've all agreed. We may not know what the stories are, but man, it just feels like it's a year where so much is going on behind the scenes. I bet, for instance, Dibs, I bet that a guy like Anthony Slater, I bet you know all kinds of stuff you can't tell us, huh, Anthony Slater, our Warriors insider here on Willard and Dibs. Like, it just... Like, all you got to do is say yes or no. Is this one of those years where there's just a lot going on behind the scenes? Yes, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's too abnormal in the league. I mean, the Durant final season (laughs) with the Warriors, the Durant final season I covered in Oklahoma City, there was some stuff. Uh, So, yes to your question, but I don't think that it's, like, too different. I guess the big question that we all have had, Mark and I and the guys behind the glass and the fans, is there a divide between the veterans wanting to go for a championship and the young players' ability to come in and actually help them win a chip this year? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it goes back to a couple years ago. Uh, Remember they had the Kelly Oubre season where Wiseman was in and out of the starting lineup. He was a rookie. Uh, They had Alan Smiley, Cherik Pascal, you know, various younger guys and then uh, i don't know if you guys remember the exit interviews that season they had lost the play into memphis didn't make the playoffs and all steph and even bob myers would came to the podium and said veterans gotta add veterans um you win with veterans that's how you win they did add veterans uh last season and hit on them which was the big deal you know you get gary payton at the minimum you get Otto porter at the minimum and the interesting part about the payton one is the veterans wanted avery bradley because he was proven they went with payton and, and the front office won that little mini battle i guess you would say but it worked they won the title they pivoted more young uh this year with a belief and uh if we all go back to the summer i was part of that belief i think even some of the veterans and the coaches were part of the belief that moody was ready wiseman could fill a a backup center role kaminga was ready uh and then they went three and seven and i do think that the early pivot point of the season was when they were three and seven the urgency ramped up, and they didn't expect urgency 10 games in the regular season. They expected a much longer runway to, to give James Wiseman, to give Kaminga, to give Moody more of a, a growing ground. And then by the time they're 3-7, and seven, they freaked out like, hey, we're getting behind in the standings, and suddenly it's Anthony Lamb is in, Ty Jerome is in. And, and that's where I think the season really turned into what it's become, which has kind of been a roller coaster ride to now. No doubt about it. Anthony Slater with us here, Willard and Tibbs, 95-7 the game. Anthony, Dante DiVincenzo, I, I, like he's got to opt out, right? 
And and is there a way for the Warriors to get involved in bidding for him if it does play out that way? Well, it's difficult because, uh, you know, and I don't have my CBA sheet in front of me right now, but, I, you know, they don't have his bird rights, non-bird free agent, so you can't just pay him whatever, you know, like, like you could if uh, somebody you've had for several years goes into free agency. Uh, so I believe it's, you know, the, the most they can give him is, like, uh, you know the the average salary in the league, which I think is up towards like ten million or like one hundred and twenty percent of his current salary, like a raise of twenty percent essentially, uh, and he's at four point something. So you know, I don't know. Again, I'm I'm not trying to do the quick math here, but we're talking you know six seven ish million. So to me, it just, it just depends on what what kind of an offer he gets. You know, if somebody really wants to come in and and give Divincenzo you know fourteen million a year or something like that for for four years because I think he's a really good young piece to grow for the future. That's just going to, not only for tax reasons, but just for CBA reasons, be very hard for the Warriors to match. Um, so he may have played himself out of their price range, but we'll see because the market, you know, he thought he was going to get a, a really nice deal from Sacramento last offseason, and then Sacramento gets hurt or they get Kevin or Malik Monk, and, and they just kind of punt him away. That's how the Warriors got him in the first place. So I, you just never know how free agency is going to go, but... He's been really good to the point, if I am another team, I probably do give him a decent amount of change. Yeah, he's been incredible for a team that's been uh, shorthanded. One more contract question, and it's in terms of Clay Thompson. If they wanted to extend Clay Thompson, they can't take next year's amount and rework that into a longer-term deal, right? So a little bit like they did with Wiggins, you could you could get, um, give him an extension that's at a lower number, right? Wiggins is making 30 one thirty-three, something like that, and then next year he goes down to like, I don't know, what is it, twenty-four? I'd have to again. Yeah, I, I wish like I that. had my yeah. my sheet in front of me today, but um, so Clay, you can you can extend him at a lower number, but you can't change next season's number, which is the big problem, right? He's going to make the forty-something next season, and and by the way, and, and I understand this from Clay's perspective, he's not he even if it was legal to give him a decrease next season he's not taking it right he's guaranteed that amount of money he's going to uh, uh, you know willingly take it so uh, the tax bill problem while it can be uh, I guess alleviated beyond with Clay Thompson taking a, a, a pay cut it can't be alleviated next season Anthony, while we're on Clay, uh, this is an uncomfortable question for me to ask because I'm I'm, I'm not a doctor, and I, I certainly love what this guy has done in his career and especially recently. But when I watch him do what he did uh, over the last four nights and play three times, it just begs the question to me of why why could he not get in there for more games sooner? Rick Celebrini is extremely careful with the way he ramps these guys up. And, you know, he frustrates the you know the players at times. It certainly frustrated Clay. I remember in his first rehab, the tedious nature of it. Um, but then he tore his Achilles partly because, you know, and he's admitted this, that he played pickup basketball when he was a little heavier than he should have, and, and, and that led to the second disaster injury. So he's bought into the more careful approach. Part of that more careful approach is, you know, Clay Thompson probably came back last season a month later than he should have, right? You know, like he was playing scrimmage five-on-five full-throttle basketball in like, I think it was like early December last year. He didn't come back till like mid-January. Um, and, you know, so, but but he has, like I said, bought into whatever Rick Celebrini says. And part of that is just you're not playing back-to-backs for 
basically, what was it, like a year uh, after his comeback and finally gave the, the green light right before the trade deadline. So to answer your question, like, sure, physically, like, and there were times Clay Thompson pushed for and wanted to play in the second night of a back-to-back, but Rick Celebrini would say, let's still hold off on it. And, and Clay Thompson agreed to it because his belief is like a lot of Rick Celebrini's careful tactics have got him back to the point where he looks probably better than we all thought he ever would, uh, you know, coming off those two injuries. Yeah, coming off of two of his best months of his career. And in terms of the conservative nature of Rick Celebrini, Steph Curry, when can we expect him to reemerge and be back on the floor? And any update on Andrew Wiggins and his situation? Yeah, starting with Curry, you know, I did see him on the practice court yesterday pregame uh, going through what seemed like a you know pretty normal speed full-speed uh, individual workout. Again, he's not, you know, taking contact, which is a big step. Maybe when they re- put a re- official reevaluation out on him Wednesday, a lot of times it'll come with, like, he's now being reintegrated back into to, to full-team practice. So um, it's, it's coming with Steph. He's getting closer, but, you know, I still probably wouldn't expect to see him this week. Um, as far as Wiggins, this is about as private as um, – I've ever seen an organization like hold something that's going on with somebody's personal life, which is, you know, very fair by them. It's, it's, you know, all we've been told pretty much is that it's a family issue he's dealing with. Um, there are people within the organization, I'd say that you guys might expect to know what's going on. Not even they do. You know, I've had people come up to me and like, you know, wondering if I know more than, than they do. And I don't because it's just, you know, it's just being held in a, in a very tight circle in private. And it's something that, you know, even as a journalist that it can be tough at times, but you kind of got to allow privacy when, when people really want it when it comes to a family issue. So, I, I mean, zero sense, and I, I don't want to be, you know, crass with that, that, that answer. Like, we're, we're certainly hoping for the best for the whole situation, but for fans that are hoping to see him again soon, I mean, is this, is this something that's going to potentially go for a while? Yeah, I don't know. So initially, uh, he missed right the game right before the break. He played, I think it was February 13th at home. He's not going to the game the 14th. He was ruled out very early, didn't make the trip to L.A. And that night, Steve Kerr says, you know, he's dealing with you know something privately, and we expect to have him right out of the break then. To, uh, you know, it seemed to be the surprise of, of, of them. You know, it, it, it lasted longer. And then from, from what I've gathered uh, and this would have been, you know, whatever. It was a Thursday game they played coming out of the break. Just talking to people then, it was like, don't necessarily expect him back soon. There's no timeline. Again, there's there's not many details being delivered, but it's just like he's dealing with something, and he's going to tell us when he's coming back. Wow. So, uh, that's, I, you know, again, I could go to the facility tomorrow, and he could be there, and I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised, but also this could linger for however long, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that either. I, I really don't know. Uh, Anthony Slater with us here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, hey, Anthony, what is going on with Bob Myers? What's happening here? Uh, I mean, he's in the last year of his deal, uh, and he's contemplating his future. And I think uh, organizationally, extending beyond Bob Myers, a lot of people are wondering what the future looks like, and that may be dependent on how the end of the season goes, how everybody's personal feelings are. You know, I mean, you guys know if you – you flame out in the play-in and, and heading to the off-season with sour feelings on where this thing might be going at every level of the organization. That oftentimes, and this isn't just with the Warriors; it's all sports. That oftentimes leads to more of a split-up than if they make us, you know, a surprising run late in the season and everyone comes back healthy and they go to the West Finals. They push for the NBA Finals. Maybe there's more of a, a kumbaya. There's more money flowing through the organization because of the playoff gate that they rely on in a lot of ways to pay this tax bill. So. I think so much, and this includes Bob Myers, depends on what happens 
moving forward. And then there will be a reassessment period right after the year. And yeah, sure, Bob Myers might be gone. But at this point, from, from what I've gathered, Bob Myers doesn't even know for sure either way. Is there a domino effect here in terms of Draymond Green opt-in, opt-out, and even Steve Kerr and his future based on the way the Bob Myers thing goes? Yeah, sure, because I think Bob Myers' future will signal, you know, what the future for the organization might be. And, uh, you know, yeah, sure, that might uh, bump into Draymond Green's future. Steve Kerr has another year on his contract, which is uh, through next season. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think everything will have a domino effect all the way up to Steph Curry, who, you know, still does have a few more years. But um, this is a... It feels like a transitional phase around the Warriors, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that materializes. And again, like I do think these next few months matter because you know maybe this situation would have been sped up if they had a disappointing season last season, but they rattle off and win the title, and then it's like, got to stay together if you're doing that. Yep, yep, that's definitely uh, the feel. Hey, Anthony, great to have you today, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Okay, that's Anthony Slater, our Warriors insider. And I don't know, like, you know, the sort of umbrella feel in talking to him, all this stuff that we're poking around about, right? Bob Myers and Young versus Old, Andrew Wiggins, everywhere where we feel like, man, it feels like there's some smoke there. Um, Anthony was like, yep. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yes. I, I, I mean, this very well might be it. This very well might be it. And that's why I wanted to ask about the domino effect of Bob. If Bob is unsigned, and he's right, like, if they make a run to the Western Conference Finals, maybe things change in terms of a kumbaya or... Joe Lacob suddenly says, you know what, Bob, I'm going to give you everything that you possibly could want. I'm begging you to stay. Or you're a playing team and you get knocked out in the play-in again. I think a lot of these things are still interrelated in terms of how it all plays out. And if Bob decides he's gone, maybe then Draymond says, I'm out. And Steve says, you can forget the last year of my deal. I mean, none of that is off the table. Here's where I'm... I don't know if concerned is the right word, but I know this won't play well with fans, and that's fair, except for the ownership for the Warriors has built up a whole lot of goodwill and and credibility. You think? You think? Just a bit. But when people watch James Wiseman play with Detroit, um, they're going to get over their skis based on a couple of numbers. Like most of the people who are on Twitter going, Wiseman, 10 points and 10 boards. Oh, I guess he can't... Boy, you mess that one up, Warriors. Check get... the net rating, Mark. He's exactly. a 5.8 net rating. And by the way, don't miss Detroit tonight for those of Thank you, you. Uh, league passers. I mean, 4 o'clock tip time. Coming off Pistons the bench. Nation. Coming off the bench oh, for whatever. games that don't matter for the Detroit Pistons and putting up a couple of numbers. Like, I didn't. Big I'm, numbers. I didn't realize 10 points and 10 boards was like, oh my God. It's a double double. I mean. Oh, we celebrate Kevin Looney. <laughs> Just whatever. That was intentional. I do like a double double, but Me anyway. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out in and out. You just you, you look at him play, and everyone's going to go. Oh gosh, told you so. And so then the next step is fans will say, "Now, so why would the Warriors have done that? Why? Why? You got nothing back for him. Why would you have done that?" My answer to these people is always the same. The one thing you're not thinking about. Is money. 
James Wiseman's trade to Detroit, and even with the acquisition of Gary Payton coming back, is going to save the Warriors over $30 million over the next two years. And if that's where Joe Lacob's mind is, and it would be fair for it to be that, right? He's going to pay $100 million next year just for Stephen Clay. Okay? And, and and that's actually pre ninety five million. That's pre tax. That's pre tax. Ninety five million pre tax. So we don't know what Draymond's going to do, but like the Warriors, there's not much they can do in terms of acquisitions. If this season ends in some sort of a wonky way, if it's a play in tournament or hell, God knows, missing the playoffs entirely. I wonder if Joe is not going to go into look. It's it's time to get some of this money back. And we just got to recalibrate the whole thing. Not start over. You're not starting from scratch. But I wonder if that's not going to become a priority that it hasn't been in the past. Counting dollars. Because it would be fair. It would be fair. It would be understandable. It won't play well with the fans. No, it won't play well, especially with the new fans. The fans who are used to, I get a championship every year. And if you decide to save money and you get knocked out and that's the way it goes moving forward, well, some fans will be upset. I think that Joe Lacob, at least in my eyes, as a person who's been a Warrior fan ever since I was born, I, I'm going to give him more than just a one-year, hey, you want to oh, yeah. save a little? He gets pretty much forever in my eyes. <laughs> we had four championships. We had four parades. I was in two of them. I broadcasted from the third. They are memories that I will forever cherish as a sports fan. So if he wants to save money while shipping out a player who I don't think is going to be very good, good on you, Joe Lacob. Yeah. Now, if we get to the end of this year and Bob Myers decides, geez, it didn't really work out here. I'm going to go be the GM in Charlotte. And Draymond Green opts out and goes to the Lakers. And then he goes on a podcast and says, you know, Joe Lacob screwed this up. We we could have kept the whole thing together. If Steve Kerr decides I want to go to TNT and then I want to go coach in Memphis or whatever the, the sequence is, we'll feel differently down the road. But right now, if Joe Lacob wants to save a little bit of scratch, I'm not going to hold it against him. No, I, I think you're, How a can war- you? you're a warrior fan who remembers what it was like before. That's, yes. what, that's what you are. That's what you just sounded like. Me too. If you remember the 80s, if you remember the 90s, if you remember Warrior basketball, well, quite frankly, at any stage, yeah. uh, prior... Pre-2014. Yeah, if you remember, then then Joe Lacob's got all kinds of slack. All kinds of... And I don't know if it's going to go that way, and I don't think that's really in his DNA to just be like, all right, now we're going into super saver mode. I don't think that's happening. No, but it depends on how... Like, but, this is going to end, right? Right. And, and it, how does this end? And it becomes a higher priority, put it that way, than, than it was before. Because before, it was just like, bang. Like, we're just... Yeah. Yep. Money for you. Money for you. Money for you. We're willing to do anything because we're in the championship window. When you're not in the championship window... That's good. And, and like I would support him in this. Don't spend all the dollars just because if it's not going for a title. I wouldn't do that either if I were him. Well, so, especially when he's looking at how do I continue to make money running this wait for it business. And if you think about two years from now, if Clay's not here, if Draymond's not here, and you're not a championship team, you've got Steph and the kids. How much money are you going to be able to make yeah. you know, year in and year out if you're not playing deep into June? Uh, let's go to the phones. Tony in the city uh, on with Willard and Dibs. Hey, Tony, what are you doing? 
Oh, I'm just taking a little break from work. How about you guys? Yeah, us too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I was at the game last night, and um, this is this is the conclusion I come to. Uh, I think Clay Clay Thompson's going to take us to the end of of the regular season. He's going to be the the key, even when uh, Steph Curry comes back. Um, and as far as uh, Jordan Poole goes, I think Dante has superseded him as uh, in terms of his importance on this team. He he, this, you know, there's four years at Villanova. Wow, I think that just made him a, just a baller. And and I and I was listening to you guys early. Every time Jordan got the ball last night, I was like, "What is he doing?" Oh my God, I was I was I was on pins and needles in that fourth quarter watching him maybe just throwing another game. So uh, I think they got to pay Dante. I don't know what his contract situation is, but well, he's a guy they should keep around. Yeah, he's going to opt out. And uh, we were just talking to Anthony Slater he's about that. He's got a player that. option next year for $4.725 million. And he's player outplayed option. that. He's, someone's going to offer him something better than that. Yes. And, and he's going to take it. And whether or not the Warriors are in a position to get into a bidding war, uh, is is unknown based on so many other factors, starting with Draymond Green and this year's result. All of that is going to affect Correct. whether or not they would go after him. But I'm with what everybody's saying. The guy's fantastic. Right. He's incredibly important on both ends of the floor. I'm not going to say he's now better or more important than Jordan Poole, especially for the long term. But I understand DiVincenzo does not do to your emotions what Jordan does to your emotions. And and I think sometimes we put these players on such a pedestal that we think there's like the way we watch and then there's the way they watch. And that's true to a certain degree, but we're also the same sometimes. We're also human beings. And therefore, Jordan Poole drives you crazy and he drives me crazy. And I think he drives them crazy sometimes too. We've seen it. We've seen the results. And for me, this is kind of now the overarching thing about this whole season why does Kaminga not play more? Why is Wiseman now on a different team? Damn it, why can Moody not get into the game? I don't think the veterans like playing with those guys. It's obvious. Because they make really crappy decisions. Can't trust them. All the time. Right. They're right. very talented, and that overdoes it. Sometimes that makes up for it. But, man... You know, even just the little things. Like, what do you do when the ball's in your hand? Time. Where, where is it fourth quarter? Is it second quarter? Right. When's the right time to go? When's the right time to stop? They don't always know. And and it's because they're young. Exactly. And even the players who aren't necessarily as, quote-unquote, young. Anthony Lamb, Ty Jerome, they're 25. They're young-ish. But even those players, and you saw Anthony Lamb last night, in crunch time, make a couple of ghastly mistakes. The inbound pass that was, I guess, intended for Clay Thompson. And Clay <laughs> didn't do a lot to break toward the basketball, but Lamb kind of threw that yeah. wistfully, hoping that maybe it would be a completed pass, and it wasn't. But if you get down to real nut-crunching time, and we're almost there, by the way, and don't miss a minute of it here on 95.7 The Game, when you have everybody available and healthy, you're going to play the 34-year-old Steph, Clay's 33, 
Draymond's 32. Wiggins at 28. GP2 is 30. Kevon Looney is 46. I don't right. care what his age, <laughs> what, what, what they exactly. claim his age is. Exactly. And you're going to actually see the aforementioned vet men street clothes guy. He might. If he's available, you're going to play him in front of Moses like, Moody and the other young guys. Even the Lamb and Clay stuff there at the end of the game, you've coached. You know the difference between a physical mistake and a mental mistake. Yeah. You can take a physical mistake. They're going to be made. You're going to think a guy's going to break right, he breaks left, and you throw a bad pass. It happens. It's the mental stuff. It's the, hey, we're in a really important part of this close game, and Jordan Poole is two steps past half court, and he's like, I think shoot. I think this is a wonderful time and space for me to shoot the basketball and clank it off the backboard. And the rest of the team and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and everybody in a, in, in a jersey, in a seat, is like, what are you doing? I am in need of a jumper. What are you doing? That totally. is a bad decision. <laughs> it's also brought to you by AC Transit and... Willard and Deb sponsored in part by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. A lot of people want to weigh in on this. We get to your phone calls next. We get some pitch clock stuff to get to as well. And S2 Cognition. Oh, don't you know Dibs gets excited when that happens. But more of your uh, warrior phone calls coming up next on Willard and Deb.